I'm Logan Elrod. I'm Jacob Weiss. And we minored in film. So today, today. before we get into the meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. uh, let's just talk about film news first, or do we talk about what we've been watching first, because <laughs> I forgot. We can talk about some film news a little bit. Okay, what you got for us? All right, um, so just some little small things we've got. It looks like Nicolas Cage has pledged to his fans that he's never going to stop acting. So if you were worried about that, uh, looks like Nicolas Cage is in it for the long haul um, and is going to be acting until the day he dies. So we have that to be thankful for. I feel like he's been doing some pretty good stuff lately, though. Mm-hmm. So. Keep it going. I know. I haven't gotten a chance to see Pig, but as soon as I can, that's one I want to check out. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited to watch that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It looks like uh, George Miller's Mad Max spinoff, Furiosa, has been delayed to 2024. So we've got another (laughs) few years to wait for that one. That's a long time. I I know. It's probably a big production, though. So For sure. Yeah. Another little thing here is that we already have um, a TV spinoff of Penguin, um, which is going to be a spinoff of the new uh, Robert Pattinson Batman movie, um, which aren't they also trying to spin off like another Jim Gordon show or like Gotham PD show or something too? I, I don't know. They're spinning off everything before I know. the movie even releases. <laughs> I know. And then you have like peacemaker coming out which is like a spinoff from the suicide squad (laughs) they're just trying to get all the money they can do i guess so uh and then the biggest news to come out recently at least that that we can remember (laughs) is that uh christopher nolan is going to be doing a film about the atomic bomb scientist j robert oppenheimer and the other big part of that is that he is leaving Warner Brothers, who he has done his last, what, like 10 movies or so with? And, yeah, he's been with um, Warner Brothers for 19 years. Yeah, and he's moving to Universal for this one. I I wonder why. <laughs> Was that a, Are you serious? Are you, <laughs> oh, no, no. It's pretty obvious I figured why. it out, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you didn't actually know for a second? Well, I didn't take the time to think about it, and then when I took five seconds to think about it, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really, like, really got so mad at them for all this moving the stuff for the streaming service and, you know, trying to make mm-hmm. the money back. But I, I guess what I was reading is that he was so mad because they weren't telling anybody about what they were going to do, and they yeah. put their heart and soul in the movies, but also it was such, like, a... A strange time in history so i mean i guess communication's important but still like people couldn't go to the theaters at that time mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it, it seems like the top directors most of them did like i know uh dennis villanova isn't is he all right now i mean did they keep him on um i don't know i think he's i think I saw, he's all right they were they said like just because we're gonna release it two or something we're gonna you're gonna be able to do a sequel to dune because he was worried about that but Mm -hmm. yeah if i remember correctly aren't they doing that one in theaters first for like a month or so and then it's going on but they're they're still gonna release it on a streaming platform yeah sorry my cat is being a menace right now (laughs) (laughs) mine is just peacefully (laughs) sleeping behind my laptop so (laughs) 
he doesn't usually chew on stuff, but I think he's trying to get like attention right now, so he's like <laughs> che- chewing on wire stuff. Um, um, well, one thing that I'm really curious about though is this seems like a very different kind of movie for him, because um, he's all about like the you know action blockbuster and stuff like that, and this just doesn't and we're going feel history. Yeah, which I mean, he's done like Dunkirk, and then you have like The Prestige, which is like you know, I mean, it's you know science fiction kind of but it's you know a historical film still but yeah, you're um, actually right yeah but this just doesn't i don't know this one seems like less action heavy i mean we'll have to see what he does with it but it just seems like a very different kind of movie for him i think whatever he does with it i think it's gonna definitely be like upbeat i don't think mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't i don't see this being like a slow burn of a movie yeah uh, I feel I mean, like he wouldn't be able like to. It would be, but I just like Christopher Nolan's not really had that before. So uh, like, it's just like a bunch of scientists sitting around a table with his like IMAX camera, like swooping in between everybody. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, but good. we'll see because you know people did not like Tenet, so yeah, he, maybe a change of pace will be good for him. <laughs> Need to do something. <laughs> Uh, all uh, just right. Make sure we can hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone's trying to call me. Look at this. This is. So, uh, what have you been watching recently? Okay, am I back? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, so this is <laughs> doing this online. Someone was calling me. Oh my god. <laughs> They're still trying to call me. All right. Anyway, I'll fight through it. Uh, what have I been watching lately? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rush Hour series. I didn't watch the third one because I just remembered I didn't like it very much. It's not very good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, how many have are you there? Seen the Rush Hour series? There's three. Oh, okay, okay. I have not seen any of them. No. Okay. Well, it's a very fun buddy cop movie. Um, I just forgot how like this might sound weird, mm-hmm. but like how horny they are in that movie (laughs) they are sexually harassing as many women as they can and like as a kid i guess you just don't realize it yeah but just like some of the jokes are just they kind of miss and they're i don't know (laughs) it's definitely strange when you're older and you can understand the jokes yeah yeah I know. I've like I've recently been watching. Um, I watched the last two Pirates of the Caribbean movies, um, on Stranger Tides and Dead Men Tell No Tales, just because I hadn't seen them yet. Um, so I was try- trying to finish off the franchise. But those ones too, which I'm sure the other three also. But there's so many like sexual jokes and references in there that probably would have gone over my head. And there's like a lot yeah. of them. There's just, I guess, the writers. I don't know. They need to go mm. to horny jail. Get <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, and I also watched uh, Frank. Stop, Locke. <laughs> uh, you told me to watch this movie. Uh huh. And I did, and I fell asleep. And I tried to rewatch it, and I kind of fell asleep again. I don't know. It's just like, I don't know that. You're supposed to feel anxious because, like, this dude's life is, you know, coming apart or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just didn't feel it. I wasn't in the vehicle with him. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't well, along for the ride. Yeah, that's okay. I can understand people not loving that movie. Um, I really do. But that's okay. I forgive you for being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you've been watching? Uh, Yeah, quite a bit, actually. Um. 
also trying to finish off just like giant money-making franchises i never finished i watched the last transformers movie transformers the last night it was terrible um is that the dinosaurs no that was the one after the dinosaurs this one is like knights of the round table camelot king arthur shit (laughs) i did not see that it was supremely dumb so that is okay I also watched 1990 Total Recall, which I had never seen before, and I thought that was great. Um, I, I also, like that one, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. I also watched Iron Giant for the first time, which I also really liked. Mm. Um, I finally got Callista to start watching the Harry Potter movies with me, so we just finished Prisoner of Azkaban. Always That's like great. That's one of the best ones right there. Mm-hmm. I also watched Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping for the first time. Um, <laughs> How was have that? You, have you seen it? Oh, not yet. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Like I loved it, and I, I will I've definitely. Seen half of it, I think. Okay, I mean, I'll definitely be watching it again. I thought it was great. Um, I've seen Shang Chi twice since it came out. I really like that twice. one. Yeah, wow. and then um, yeah, yeah. Those are the the big things. Um, from Doug Lyman, who did Edge of Tomorrow, I watched. Uh, chaos walking in jumper which are two of his other movies uh neither of them mm-hmm. good um <laughs> <laughs> Dang, you uh, yeah a lot. yeah i know that's only like half of it but i'll stop there <laughs> jesus okay well enjoy your ad break <laughs> all right i'm back we and back. i'm back too <laughs> um Okay, so this is episode 36, I think. Don't know. And we are doing The Exorcist, uh, 1973. Mm-hmm. I told you guys to watch along, so hopefully you did your homework and watched the movie. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just let us know about what you thought. Um, the description. When a 12-year-old girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her. How was that? Pretty good? I mean, yeah, that's basically sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> And then we got is directed by William Friedkin, uh, which we will hear a lot about him. Written by William Peter Blatty, who also wrote the 1971 novel that this was adapted by. I don't know if you just heard that, but that's my cat being a menace again. <laughs> um, and then it's starring <laughs> Ellen Buston, Linda Blair, Max von Sydow, Lee J. Cobb, Kit, uh, Kitty Wynn, Jack Mc. Goran, Jason Miller. Um, okay, one second. Get off of there. <laughs> All right. Uh, the budget was $12 million, and the box office take was $193 million. Wow. Um, this had a huge uh, box office run that we will talk about later. Mm-hmm. Awards, it was nominated for 10 Oscars with two wins for Best, uh, best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound. Okay. Uh, it is the first horror movie at the time, I think, to be nominated for Best Picture. Okay. okay. So it did a lot for horror in that regards. What is your initial thoughts and reactions? Uh, this movie is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. I had never seen it before. This is my first time watching it. And I had always heard about it, but for some reason like the image that I had in my mind for what the movie was, was completely different than what it actually was. For some reason I was under the understanding that this was, you know, it was in like the 1600s and it's like, you know, (laughs) I don't know why I thought it was such, it 
I don't know. It's just a lot different um, than it turned out to be. And I was also very surprised when this opened up on like an archaeological dig site. <laughs> and I was like, why do all these movies open on like archaeological digs and like mining shafts and stuff like, yeah. so so many movies open that way and i wasn't expecting it and quite honestly i still don't really understand why they decided to open it that way does. yeah but um i don't know i'll be honest i really didn't love this movie um it's just like i don't know i don't think it's really my thing but it is a movie that i'm excited to hear a lot about the behind the scenes stuff um, and I think there's a lot they did well. I thought all the, you know, the makeup and effects like that were really good, which I'm sure that's what everybody says about it. Um, and I mean, they were really effective with like the tone and kind of the mood of the film. And it also made me feel super violated, which is part of why I don't like it, but also makes me kind of appreciate it at the same time. But uh, yeah, I just don't think it's it's up my alley, but it's one that I'm excited to hear about. Yeah, that's basically my thoughts, too. I don't love this movie either, even though I'm uh, doing it. But I just think what it did for horror and just the whole kind of... Uh, it's like just a big thing in uh, in film history, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right. It does make you feel violated. Maybe if, even if you don't think it's scary, uh, because this movie is almost like 50 years old or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you do feel like just uncomfortable uh, mm-hmm. with what's just happening, uh, and yeah. and you just kind of go away from it, like feeling a little like I don't know, icky. Yeah, and, for you know, sure. Kind of what it's supposed to do. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, at that time, people were terrified, which we'll talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, we've kind of we're you know in the modern day so we've kind of seen like hereditary and stuff like that but all those films were yeah. inspired by this one so and i i can yeah, tell I'm, that I'm for sure way. yeah that's uh, something i i often struggle with sometimes when watching kind of like pioneering movies like this is sometimes i have to i struggle to keep in mind that this is kind of the first movie that did this and kind of all the movies that have done it better since then were drawing mm-hmm. from this. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, this sucks. So-and-so was way better. Yeah. But then I just have to remember that, like, this did that before everything that came after. Yeah, you just kind of have to, you know, have the context of what was happening and in mm-hmm. film in that time. And it's hard to do, though, because, like, some of the things are, like, very silly uh, mm-hmm. when we have all these great uh, techniques nowadays. Yeah. But... Where did the inspiration stem to make such a horrifying tale? Uh, Let me tell you. So aspects of uh, the book was actually inspired by one of three exorcisms sanctioned by the Catholic Church in the U.S. during 1949. Okay. Uh, That's kind of scary. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What were the other two? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was an exorcism performed on an anonymous young boy. Uh, They call him Ronald Doe. Uh, and it was done by the Jesus priest, um, William Baldron, I think is how you say his name, okay. who formerly taught at both St. Louis University and St. Louis University High School. Doe's family became convinced the boy's ag- aggressive behavior was um, attributed to demonic possession and called upon the services of several Catholic priests. Hmm. So this was in 1949, so they thought their 
Poor boy was, you know, possessed, but what was likely is that he was a mentally ill teenager acting out as the actual events likely to have occurred, such as words being carved on the skin were such that they could have been faked by Doe himself. Uh, the novel changed several details of the case, such as changing the sex of the possessed victim from a boy to girl, like we see in the movie, mm-hmm. and changing the alleged victim's age. Although Friedkin, that's the director, mm-hmm. has admitted he is very reluctant to speak about the factual acts aspects of the film, he made the film with the intention of immortalizing the events involving Doe that took place in 1949. And despite the minor changes that were made, the film depicts everything that could be verified by those involved. In order to make the film, Friedkin was allowed access to the diaries of the priests involved, as well as the doctors and nurses. He also discussed the events with those aunt in great detail. So hmm. this film was inspired by, I guess you could say, a real event. Mm. I mean, I don't know all of your personal beliefs, but I'm kind of on the side that this person might have been mentally ill at the at the time, and it was like 1949 where they didn't know that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about yeah. the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still kind of scary though to have like, I don't know. Yeah, even those events kind of be closely related to something actually no, happening. For sure, and that's something I feel like you can really tell in the movie because I didn't realize this was you know based on a book that was based on like true events. Um, mm-hmm. um, depending on your definition of true, but um, yeah, but you can feel that though because there was a lot of it that felt real kind of in a way i wasn't expecting like you know she's going to see all these the mother was going to see all these doctors and stuff and kept you know telling her they couldn't figure out what's going on and then just like the struggle for her to find a priest and then all the the approvals they had to go through to like do an exorcism and all that it was a lot more like tedious of a process i was kind of expecting Mm -hmm. going in that you know just some you know duo of priests going around exercising demons all the time like hey let me help your daughter like <laughs> isn't that a movie nowadays the conjuring isn't that basically what it is oh i don't know i actually haven't seen the conjuring oh yeah it is uh i forgot the couple's name but anyway you're right it's like uh they went through a process mm-hmm. and the process was very debilitating for you know the mother um and that probably happened during 1949, which is very sad. Uh, and I don't. Can you hear Franklin? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's screaming very loud. I think he's possessed um, by hunger. All right. So yeah. So you kind of know the little backstory of what it happened. You know, all horror movies nowadays says you know based on a true story. Um, mm-hmm. So take it with what you will. So the production of this movie was actually kind of hell itself um mm-hmm. the set was said to be haunted for a good reason yeah the set, was... <laughs> the set that was being used for the uh mcneil house caught on fire which delayed production for six weeks oh my goodness what's strange however is that the only room that wasn't burned was reagan's demonic bedroom <laughs> a lot of the movies in uh-huh. <laughs> due to this fact a priest was asked to come and bless the set in order to put the cast and crew somewhat at ease Um, (laughs) so that's just like the first case while it doesn't happen all the time some cast and crew members do pass away while making a movie what's strange about this though is that a total of nine people pass away linked to the movie um and i won't go into all the cases but it's it's like really strange uh that nine people 
being related to a movie would pass away in such a short time span and it just doesn't happen that often and mm-hmm. uh in the documentary that came with the 2010 Blu-ray edition of The Exorcist, it was revealed that the director would often fire guns or slap actors in the face right before the camera started rolling. While <laughs> while this often got genuine reactions from the cast, it also angered them, resulting in Ellen calling Friedkin a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of this set being like kind of possessed was they got due to the director just oh wanting to make such a like natural movie so where you can see the horror. Uh, uh-huh. One way that he would do that was that he would refrigerate the entire set. Um, and so this allowed viewers to see the breath of Reagan and the priest and add an eerie effect in the movie, which uh-huh. they, did you notice that? It's pretty noticeable. Yeah, yeah. That is um, cool. That's cr- so in the behind. <laughs> I mean, that's not so, cool. You know, it's very abusive. <laughs> <laughs> God, you and, know that's kind of crazy the this stuff directors used to do <laughs> yeah the behind the scenes you can see them all like in like big winter coats and they're like just so pale mm-hmm. and they're just sitting there like just <laughs> just not having a good time Hashtag uh-huh. not having a good time that's, <laughs> that's what they were going through um <laughs> Another another thing was in the scene where the possessed Reagan punches her mom, Chris, the mom gets slung on the floor. To get the real effect, they place a harness on the actress playing Reagan's mom. And uh, Ellen, the actress, was telling them that they were pulling the harness too hard, but the director insisted that they make it look real. So in the final shot, they pulled so hard that she flew back and injured her back. The Goodness. scream that she has was actually real pain. Mm-hmm. And instead of the director, like, you know, helping her and stuff. He told the cinematographer to get closer. <laughs> um, and uh, she apparently in an interview, she says that she still has kind of back pain from, I mean, she's still alive. She's pretty old, but she, uh-huh. she still suffers from back pain and she thinks it's from that day. Um, yeah, probably. And, uh, <laughs> and Linda Blair, who played Reagan also hurt her back when she was thrown onto the bed. Uh, huh. That doesn't surprise me at all. They had they they had her doing these crazy like spasm like motions and flipping around everywhere. Yeah, it like they really just try to do their most to make it feel like very horrifying. And mm-hmm. so at the time, um, were you even like scared during this movie, or were you just like kind of like? No, I w- I was never scared. There's one or two points where I was like I was disturbed, but I was never scared. Yeah. Never like, ah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you were never, ah. <laughs> so, um, back in 1973, people were scared. And mm-hmm. uh, I have a review right here wrote by a, uh, a reviewer who described the movie The Exorcist has done for the horror film what tw- uh, 2001 did for science fiction. Um, legitimizing it in the eyes of thousands who previously concerned horror movies nothing more than a giggle. So upon its December twenty sixth, by the way, it released December twenty sixth. Okay, day after Christmas. Was, <laughs> I don't know if that was on purpose. Uh, <laughs> it couldn't be on purpose, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, the film actually received mixed reviews from critics, ranging it from classic to claptrap. But the audience reaction was very strong. Um, like I said, it was December 26th, so it was cold outside, but people would line up, uh, mm-hmm. f- 
in long lines for hours just to see the movie and then they would try to go watch it again and again some people only one time for them and they threw up uh yeah <laughs> so before but uh before it got this big popular kind of following it only opened up in 24 theaters which back then is kind of a lot uh hmm. and it grossed 1.9 billion in its first week setting house records in uh oh one second Setting house records in East Theater, and when its first month, the film had grossed 7.4 million nationwide. By which time, Warner's executives executives expected the film to easily surpass My Fair Lady's 34 million take ups to become the studio's most financially successful film. So the huge crowds attracted the film to force the studio to expand it into wide release very quickly. At the time, the releasing strategy was rarely used for anything but B-movies. And then two years later, uh, we've already talked about this on the podcast, Universal would learn from The Exorcist and open Jaws on 500 screens across the country. Mm-hmm. And that's how they kind of kind of figured it out, what we do nowadays, and just release yeah. it if it's a big blockbuster movie. Um, which is, I don't know why that wasn't a thing. I guess there wasn't as many people going. I don't know. I really... Why weren't they going to the movies? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Probably because there's some kind of okay. like protest or something for everything. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of protests for this movie. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about that. <laughs> in a similar way to which audiences ran from the arrival of a train in 1896. Um, that's always a funny image that people uh-huh. were sitting down <laughs> and they thought a train was coming at them. I don't know. <laughs> People were stupid. Anyway, <laughs> in 1973, in 1973, people fainted, experienced anxiety, and even reportedly suffered heart attacks from The Exorcist. A lot of theaters would have paramedics for the ready. Apparently, bathrooms would be filled with throw up, and theaters would even hand out Exorcist barf bags. Of course, oh my I don't God. know how true these reports are because it was 1973. So I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody suffered from a heart attack, but it could happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, due to death threats against Linda Blair, who played Reagan, from uh, religious zealots who believed the film glorified Satan, Warner Brothers had bodyguards protecting her for six months after the film's release. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. It's... <laughs> I love um... how they're like. <laughs> I-, I love how their response to like to evil is to be like, "Hey, let's threaten to kill this girl." <laughs> They thought she was possessed. They got to kill her. God. She possessed. And, um, and so, yeah, it had a big impact on society at that time. A lot of people, um, of course, enjoyed it. They kept going back. Some people might have taken it too serious. Uh, I think, I mean, this will, we have the same talks about different things, about how, like, movies affect, you know, society or Mm -hmm. now it's probably like music or social media or whatever and uh i mean it was rated r but people didn't want their you know their children to see it uh, Mm -hmm. even though it probably was hard to see it back then but i wanted to ask you though do you think a film can like have such an impact on society maybe like specifically with horror in today's society or do you think those days are over in a way that's a really good question actually um Man, I don't know, because, yeah, today it kind of feels like we're almost at a point where we've just about seen everything, and obviously there's still new stuff coming out, but 
I feel like very rarely is there something that comes out where we're kind of like, wow, like look how how innovative yeah. that is. Um, yeah, especially from horror, I can't really. I mean, we've gotten now into things like um, Get Out, Us, and from what I've heard, kind of the new Candyman, where horror is kind of being used as a way um, to have a lot of like social commentary and stuff like that. Um, so I guess you can maybe consider that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, then you have stuff like, I mean, not from horror, but like Avatar in 2009 kind of revolutionized what people saw, special effects being, um, stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the next big like cultural phenomenon of a movie is going to be and mm-hmm. like what's going to cause it to, to do that. Um, yeah. Because today a lot of it just seems to be about um, just like commentary on like social issues or bigger representation and things like that kind of seems to be what makes movies considered groundbreaking nowadays. Um, But I'm curious to see if that changes. Yeah, I would say very specific for horror. I think that is how it's going, which is, I think, very good as someone telling – or different perspectives telling these stories about uh, their experience, which has not mm-hmm. really happened until the last, like, t- I mean, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think that's a big thing for, like, people just absolutely, like, I don't know, lining up in theaters or, like, protesting a movie. I think those days are kind of over in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you I still don't have see that happening. Mm-hmm. The biggest things I can think of recently. I mean, like, you know, Star Wars Episode Seven was huge when that came out, and then Avengers Endgame was massive I like that too. That, yeah. But um, those are the two biggest things I can think of recently that have had people, you know, like that. But you know, just the way that theaters and I mean, online ticket reservations and stuff like that are set up nowadays. You know, you don't really have that lining up in front of the theater anymore, mm-hmm. which I mean, I don't want to say that's a bad thing because I very much enjoy not having to stand outside wondering if I'll get a ticket or not. But like, (laughs) you know, I mean, kind of that excitement level can maybe feel a little less so for sure. Not seeing that like mass of a crowd outside. I just want like a horror movie to release and everybody's like, oh, my God, this is real. Um, (laughs) Uh (laughs) So when I, I thought of this question and I was like, because specifically for horror, this is what I was kind of thinking about. Like, what are the most successful horror movies? Um, and I kind of just looked up the box office. I, it is number one okay. in the box office take, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see it in the box office. That was surprising to me. I, I get. I, I don't know why. What, like, developed that hype around it to make $700 million? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if that was... I mean, I, I really like that movie a lot. I think that one mm-hmm. is a it's a horror movie, but I feel like it's also kind of targeting a similar audience that likes to go to like thrillers and stuff like that too. And it's I think it, they're playing more on that like eighties nostalgia, that like Stranger Things, and they're getting all these like Ghostbusters reboots. And I don't know. I yeah. feel like nostalgia has been really big recently. I think that played into a lot of it. The cast mm-hmm. was great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it was a great movie, and I guess they just they did something right. <laughs> and then the second one is The Sixth Sense in 1999. Um, 
which I was kind of surprised about that one too. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when first watching it, I was very young and the twist. So I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so yeah, I mean, and when I was trying to like thinking of like just growing up, I remember paranormal, paranormal activity. The first one, it was huge uh, when it first released because mm-hmm. people were, were kind of like, why is this real? Cause mm-hmm. it was like such like, minor things would happen They're like oh my god something <laughs> yeah. happened in that and then, video I mean, camera uh, and, you, and you got like the blair witch project too oh that's a huge one yeah i was about to bring that up people um so like kind of the answer to the question is like yes it can kind of happen because blair witch uh when that movie released it was like an indie film and people were like is this lost footage or mm-hmm. you know yeah but <laughs> i don't know i don't know if that can happen today i don't know if uh-huh that- I, I was gonna say people are like people are still very much gullible today, but I feel like it's about yeah. different things. It's about too much false information as it is like lack of information or it being harder to find. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. I just can't. But like people tried to attack a young girl; they thought she was possessed. I know, it's so crazy. And um, the sad thing is, is people still do that, not necessarily in that same way, but you mm-hmm. have like you know actors in like marvel or star wars or big franchises where they get like harassed and threatened online and like people just like cause literal like mental health damage to these actors because they like don't like the characters that they play and it's super toxic yeah it really is and so let's go on to the next subject uh i just kind of have like what scenes stood out to you um, cause there's like very disturbing scenes in this. What, what's just like in your head right now in that frontal lobe of yours? <laughs> Probably the, the scene with the crucifix and yeah, the, the like blood that. everywhere. <laughs> it, cause that really caught me off guard and was really disturbing. And Same. I was never expecting to see that in a movie. Um, yeah, we're not going to describe it on detail in here. Cause I could see <laughs> that being kind of you know, uncomfortable and maybe triggering for some people if you don't know what we're talking about. But uh, it's super disturbing and gross, and I did not want to see that. Yeah, I didn't expect that to happen at all. And I was just sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, can we not? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what did you think about the pea soup? The pea soup. Was that, um, is that what that was? That they're, like, throwing the throw up, up and stuff? I'm pretty, oh, okay. sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's pea soup. <laughs> All right. And I when you not... know it, it, it looks like pea soup. It's yeah. Like, it's funny. It doesn't really look like throw up. I know it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just like, I don't know, um, alien goo, like paranormal slime. Like, <laughs> So the crucifix and the pea soup. So we'll talk about some more notable scenes because there is a lot. Uh, a lot of films recreate these. Uh, how about the white face? Do you remember the white face? No, you what was, oh, since this is, is that first... those like really quick flashes? Yeah, uh, really, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Was that supposed to be like the demon or whatever? Yeah, so the white faced demon are actually rejected makeup tests for Reagan's possessed appearance. Oh, really? So, yeah, so as you can see, this they they uh they got some makeup on, they they doing something. Yeah. I would say they stunting. <laughs> They did a really, that's a, that's a big change for what they ended up going with. Okay. uh, 
how about the help me scene? I just want to like know, like re- the possessed girl. Did you mm-hmm. did you feel like sometimes it was too much, not enough? You know, like were you convinced that this little girl was was scary? Uh, no. I mean, they made her very like disturbing and stuff. Like, props for that. It's not the kind of thing that like necessarily makes me scared. But I was like, wow, it's like really creepy. Yeah, the voice and everything was creepy. Um. Just like how crude the demon inside of her was was shocking um, to me. <laughs> it's it very crude. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I can see that being scary for people back then, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I just can't believe like the dialogue was was like that. Because even today, I, I just... Like, mm-hmm. uh, your mom knits socks in hell. That's a letterbox yeah. review. <laughs> <laughs> if someone hasn't seen the movie you're gonna be very confused of why uh-huh. i just said that but, <laughs> but yeah I mean, yeah but even yeah. like i i feel like stuff like like dialogue and lines like as crude as that like you're right i don't think you see that really in movies nowadays and i don't blame it i don't know that just made me really uncomfortable and i was like i don't i don't want to see that again or hear or listen to more of that um, I think just did you hear that Bob Ross thing go off? No, what Bob? What are you talking about? It was, it was, it's Bob Ross, um, like bobblehead. Frank came up here and smacked it. I'm pretty sure my mic caught it, <laughs> and it's just so loud. This episode is a mess. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, being online. Who? <laughs> Cats, am I right? We'll keep that in there. All right. Anything else you got to say about the movie? Um, I guess I don't know. We didn't really talk about the priests much. What should, What did you think about them? Like, I mean, the priest at the end. Um, I mean, he's in the beginning too, but um, I don't know. I feel like he didn't do much for me because he was so underdeveloped compared to the other priests. I didn't really like care when he died <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, yeah. And then even, like, the main one that we've been following through the whole movie, like, I know they were trying to give him, like, more depth and, like, inner conflict and stuff like that with, like, the passing of his mother. But honestly, I didn't really care. <laughs> like, I feel like they didn't give me much of a reason to actually care about the struggles that he was going through. And I feel like that's one of the reasons the movie didn't, like, land as much for me is because I feel like that's a lot of what they were trying to really go with was even not so much about being about the possession but being about like this guy and kind of his his journey but i really just didn't buy into it i'm i'm right there with you i mean i think like the only character i really cared about was probably like the mom like the Mm -hmm. priest you're right they just don't really give you enough to i i I mean i think the mom thing or with the priest and his mom was was sad and it I mean, I was definitely invested in him more than the others, but it still wasn't yeah. like it wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I also just feel like there was just some stuff that didn't really make sense to me, or I feel like they didn't explain enough for mm-hmm. my taste. Like I'm fine with a little bit of ambiguity and things, but like, like I already mentioned earlier on the whole opening, um, like the archaeological dig site and stuff. Like I feel like that was completely unnecessary and just left me with like questions that weren't answered. Mm-hmm. And then just even the stuff happening during the exorcism, some of it just didn't like make sense to me. Or I don't know. 
I just I didn't feel satisfied when it ended. I was kind of like, huh? <laughs> I get that. Did you enjoy the pacing of the movie? Yeah, yeah. Other than the opening scene, which I felt like didn't fit, I thought the pacing was pretty good for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And that's also uh, something I forgot to mention. Uh, that when they shot that movie, uh, for that opening scene, they shot it last. And I think, God, where did they film it? Somewhere over near Africa or something mm-hmm. like that. And it was like apparently like 116 degrees outside and people Goodness were just gracious. passing out left and right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> to get I, I I hate that opening scene. I mean, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it didn't Why? it didn't need it. I feel like it if really anything did. it kind of like lessens everything else that's going mm-hmm. on in the movie. But Yeah. Like I, I don't know right. if that was to give it some like grander like scale or something, but I feel like that's more of a personal confined film and kind of having an opening that takes place in such a completely different environment kind of ruins that like Mm -hmm. feeling but i agree okay so anything else to add um i guess one other thing i do like is i like that the mom was an actress and i kind of thought it was cool that they like showed her doing like making films and stuff like that yeah because every every once in a while because i think it's funny to me sometimes when like movies acknowledge the fact that like other movies still exist like it was a movie about movie making or just like when somebody in a movie like works on films i don't know i I just like when they do that yeah there's some good movie making movies movies (laughs) 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 There's some good ones. Okay, so let's go to the letterbox reviews because fun fact hour is a little bit lengthy. Um, All right. So we got a letterbox review from Rio. Twelve year olds are just like that. <laughs> yeah, some um, of them. I actually, <laughs> um, I actually I couldn't find too many ones because some of them just you know had some crude things in them. So mm-hmm. I have one from um. Annabella Ortiz. <laughs> I don't know if this is a familiar name for you guys, but uh, not very scary. People talk like this on Twitter.com every day, honestly. <laughs> so there you go. It's very true, though. They they do but, talk like that. Yes, they do. All right. Fun fact hour. Ding, 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 ding. The scene where Reagan's projectile vomits at Father Carras only required one take. The vomit was intended to hit Jason Miller in the chest, but the plastic tubing misfired, hitting him in the face. His reaction of shock and disgust while wiping away the vomit, pea soup, is genuine, <laughs> and Miller admitted in an interview that he was very angered by the mistake. So, <laughs> things well, can worked. go wrong with pea soup. <laughs> Okay, on the first day of filming the exorcism sequence, Linda Blair's delivery of her foul mouth dialogue disturbed the gentleman, Max von Sydow, that he actually forgot his lines. Yeah, shoot, yeah, I didn't even really think about the fact that, like, <laughs> that 12-year-old girl started to say all that stuff because they had to, like, match up the demon's voice with her lips, so she was still over there saying all those things. I'd probably yeah. be kind of shocked, too. So I don't know how true this one is, but this is Warner Brothers' highest-grossing film of all time, when adjusted for inflation. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to do that math, but sure. Hmm. Okay, okay. So 
Actress Mercedes McCambridge, who provided the voice of the demon, insisted on swallowing raw eggs and chain-smoking to alter her vocals. The actress, who had problems with alcohol abuse in the past, furthermore wanted to drink whiskey as she knew alcohol would distort her voice even more and create the crazed stale of mind of the character. As she was giving up sobriety, she insisted that her priest be present to counsel her, dur- counsel her during the recording process. Maybe just get um, a different job. Um, <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> At William Friedkin's direction, McCambridge was also bound to a chair with pieces of a torn sheet at her neck, arms, wrists, legs, and feet to get a more realistic sound of the demon struggling against its restraints. McCambridge later recalled the experience as one of horrific rage, while Friedkin admitted that her performance, as well as the extremes which the actress per- put herself through, to gain authenticity terrifies the director to this day. This was probably the reason why Friedkin declined to call back McCambridge to provide the demon's voice for the film's TV version, instead deciding to do the voice himself. Okay. I'm curious to see what his his sounds like. Yeah, I I have no clue, but that's pretty uh that's a lot of dedication. I mean, mm-hmm. voice actors are pretty underrated. I think it's extremely hard to do. Yeah. Uh, but just going through that much, this dedication to the job, uh, and uh, gave a very scary voice too. I think so. Yeah. Um, the original teaser trailer, which consisted of nothing but images of the white-faced demon quickly flashing in and out of darkness, was banned in many theaters as it was deemed too frightening. <laughs> uh, Jack Jack Nicholson was up for the part of the. Father Karras, before Jason Miller landed the role, William Friedkin thought he was too unholy to play a priest, so he did not get that role. Um, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that too. He has he has too many roles where he plays like serial murderers and like yeah yeah. Um, when originally released in the UK, a number of town councils imposed a complete ban on the showing of the film. This led to the bizarre. Sp- spectacle of exorcist bus trips where enterprising travel companies organized buses to take groups to the nearest town where the film was showing huh that's pretty interesting see that's all you're doing you're just forcing people to be more creative that's all you're not stopping it (laughs) i like it's crazy like i just don't i mean do films get banned nowadays uh i don't know i don't know i mean Maybe in other countries or in like you know schools yeah. and stuff like that, but yeah, not yeah. I don't. Hmm. Hopefully, no one's showing The Exorcist in schools. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in a film class, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that was the end of fun fact hour. Uh, you have any other questions, comments, concerns? Uh, I'm very concerned for any poor child who accidentally watched this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i tried to get um some voice tape from like some older people that saw this movie in theaters but uh Mm -hmm. nobody had any crazy stories so Mm. no one threw up or (laughs) had to use the exorcist barf bag (laughs) oh yeah yeah i wonder if if like people still have those because i bet that's some pretty cool merchandise Oh, that probably would be, yeah. Was it was it like yeah. branded? <laughs> I I don't know if it was branded or not, but if it was, that'd be cool. 
Yeah, that would be. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and uh, you know the next movie you're doing? Uh, you know what? I think we're going to do The Martian. We're going to do The Martian, so please watch along, do your homework, and uh, we'll all talk about it next Monday. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're still getting used to this online thing, so if it sounds a little off or, you know, hey, just bear with us, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I finally got those paychecks starting to roll in. I'll probably get something better than a five below podcast microphone soon. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, just berate uh, Jacob in the comments about that. And <laughs> we will be watching The Marsh. Thank you for everybody listening. Please follow us on all socials. Instagram at we in film. Um, we do drafts there so go vote and then follow us on twitter at minored in film and at letterboxd minored in film where we review every movie and stuff anything else (laughs) jacob that is all all right thank you guys i'm logan elrod i'm jacob weiss and we minored in film